Hello friends and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to train up your supervisors and managers, please check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month program, I'll be taking your managers through our driving results curriculum, and that includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem solving, decision making, team development, and much more. These sessions are virtual, running one hour each month, and I'll do it using our popular sketch and seminar graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoints, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. You can either have your entire organization take our program, or if you have just a few folks, join one of our open enrollment cohorts that start every other month. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com. According to Bob Nelson and Mario Tamayo, work and fun have typically been considered polar opposites. They contend that fun can actually be integrated in ways that produce happier, more motivated workers, and that leads to exceptional results. The book is called Work Made Fun Gets Done. It was great having these guys on the show because they shared the research they'd done and they gave lots and lots of great examples of companies that are doing things to make the work environment a more fun place to be. Uh, the book is a great read. I would encourage you to check it out at the end. They'll tell you where you can get it, but there's a lot of great tips for you as you start thinking about how to look at your workforce and your work arrangements differently as we start to transition, hopefully, eventually back into in-person work. So let's quit talking about these guys. Let's let them do the talking. You know what time it is. Let's buckle that seatbelt and make sure the personal items under the seat. Time for us to taxi to the runway. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Dr. Bob Nelson and Mario Tamayo, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is great having the two authors of the book, Work Made Fun Gets Done. So I suspect this will be fun because that's what the book says. And this is actually work today, so that'll be good. And I want to talk to you about the book. But before we get into that, I was hoping, and I'll let you guys jump in whenever you want, I'd like to hear about both of you, your background, how you got started, what's exciting for you guys, and then we'll dig into this book a little bit. Sure. Sure. Well, um, Mario and I met uh, 34 years ago at Walt Disney World. We were guests of Ken Blanchard doing a behind the scenes tour of, of the property. He had a good friend that ran resorts and um, we ended up, turned out we found out we were rooming together. So we, we spent uh, a week, week there and that was a great uh, fun. That was a great uh, introduction to uh, what's been a really fun relationship ever since. And it just seemed natural that we would do a book on this topic. This is my 31st book. And uh, so I've been swinging at the plate for a long time. And uh, it's kind of added up to about 5 million books sold. Uh, so I've had some uh, degree of success and uh, do a lot of speaking, consulting on the topics of the book, which tend to be around uh, the human element. Uh, 
how to better engage, recognize, motivate employees. That's great. So how about you, Mario? Aside from uh, when you guys met at Disney, tell us about how, uh, how life has progressed for you. Well, I started off as the, as the class clown in the sixth grade at St. Michael's Academy, and I was voted least likely to succeed. And, and uh, I found in my, in my early life that uh, all I wanted to do was play, have fun. And I learned uh, in, at the start of my career that I think I was right, that in order to do well, we've got to really enjoy what we're doing. And uh, I got into corporate wellness, and uh, I, I kind of devoted my life to making the work environment healthy and accepting of the human spirit. And so I've been doing that. My, my mission and my career has been to how to make it easy to help other people help themselves become their best. And uh, at the, the first few years was focused on HR folks and HR professionals, and then I got more into uh, executive leadership coaching, um, and that's what I've been doing the last oh, 20, 25 years. That's great. So you guys, with your Disney experience, I mean, how much has that really impacted what you've done? Because I look at it as a guest, right? I don't know what goes on behind the scenes there. or I don't know how the sausage is made. You guys had a little bit of insight. Is it legit fun or is it just the guests that think it is? <laughs> Good oh, question. I'd say, I'd say, well, Disney's the happiest place on earth. And I think for the customer experience, that's what they get. Uh, for, for employees, um, they, I, I don't know if everyone is, is happy because they, you know, a lot of the jobs are kind of lower end of the scale, but I tell you what, I've, I've met people that have moved from Indiana to Orlando to work at Disney. It doesn't matter what the job was. They had to be part of this organization. So it's, it's a, I think they try to deliver in how they treat their employees at, at Walt Disney World alone, they've got uh, 250 recognition programs, ways to call out excellence and whether it's asking the guests for their name or, or, or follow, having an idea for how we can improve a process. So I, I like to think they walk their talk. And I got to tell you, I, I do know uh, someone very well who was employed by Disney for several years, and uh, she absolutely loved it. And, and one of the things I think Disney does extremely well is from day one, they, they do a great job of explaining why they do what they do, what business they're in. And the people who come there, they, they, they are totally immersed in this, in, in this campaign to make sure that people who spend tons of money, who, who save tons of money, some people who don't have much money at all, but they save tons of money to be able to take that one vacation each year and, they, and, the, and the Disney folks know that, and they say, you've done what you can to get here. We're going to make your experience here as, as best as possible. And I actually believe that most of the people that work at Disney are completely committed to making that happen. And as Bob mentioned, they got a lot of recognition programs. They work hard. I'm not going to kid you about that. We did see the, the underworkings of, of what they do. They do work hard, but I truly believe they genuinely uh, happy if you take a look at their scores. Let me say one more thing because it's not all, you know, puppies and rainbows that they, yeah. uh, uh, when they, on their first, when they have meetings to talk to people that want to work for Disney and here, and, and I've been in them, like here's a hundred people that, you know, they're here for a potential uh, inter interview slot. And uh, they, they start off by saying, 
the the leader points to some of his heads. So good to good to have you here. Um, you, what's your name, Gary? What did you do last Thanksgiving? Uh huh. Turkey family. Okay, guy. How, how Sally? What what did you do on Christmas last Christmas? Tree presents. Okay, yeah, guy got. If you come to work for Disney, you won't be doing that because we work while other people play. Now, if that's not doesn't work for you, there's the door. Thanks for coming. And, and about 10, 15 percent of the people get up and walk out. Yeah, so they're they're realistic <laughs> along the way. They're not making false promises. Uh, now, one other thing about Disney, and this is in our in, in our book, is they've got some outstanding leaders there. One in particular was a, it was a guy named Bob Small, and he used to work small shifts. And what that was is is on Christmas Eve. He would go into the laundry room and he would work with the hospitality staff and doing, you know, washing the clothes, drying and folding them. And they were always taken. They, they said, well, gosh, why are you here? You know, you're the VP here. Why are you here on Christmas Eve and you're out in your family with your family? He says, you know, if you guys are going to be here on Christmas Eve, I want to be here, too. And it really made a huge difference. Now, years later, they didn't find out that he was Jewish. So it really didn't matter to him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was committed. He was totally committed to doing what he would never make them do what he wouldn't do himself. Well, you know, that makes sense. I, I grew up in Southern California. So, you know, I was maybe 30 miles from Disneyland. We could hear the fireworks every night. So for me, Disneyland was fun, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't earth shattering. But when I was stationed overseas, uh, in Australia, I made some friends over there and they eventually came to California to visit. And, you know, there we are standing in line to get the tickets. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, here we go. You know, hot, crowded lines. And my neighbor said, oh, my God, I must be dreaming. I cannot believe I'm standing here. I thought, well, hell, I can't believe I'm standing here either, but for a different reason. <laughs> so I get it. You spend a fortune. You fly 26 hours. <laughs> yeah, you, you better yeah. hope that it's an amazing experience. How much of that influenced this book? Was that one of the biggest pieces of influence? No, actually, uh, <laughs> it's the tip of the iceberg, really. We we spent several years collecting ideas. We, we interviewed people. Uh, we did surveys. We, we searched secondary sources. We had a, a team of people helping us identify items that filter fit the filter that we were looking for. And, and actually, one of the things that I learned right off the bat was that fun is very diverse. What's fun for one person is may or may not be fun for someone else. I, I kind of assume, well, fun, that, that's when you're laughing, right? And that boy, I didn't hear anyone else say that per se. I, you ask my wife what's fun. It's like, well, you get end of the day, did you get a lot done? And are you proud of what you did? Then it was a fun day. Go, really? God. <laughs> Everyone had different different things. And that it's a real richness that I think we needed to tap into more, more often. Uh, so certainly what you what you feel is fun, you should be doing those things and encouraging those things with in with your work team. But then ask other people what they want to do, you know, uh, spread the wealth, uh, spread the fun. You know, one of the things we found out related to that was that um, people said, well, are you going to talk a lot about how to how to do, do pranks and how to make that successful? And what we found is that most pranks, probably 99 percent of them don't work. And it's well, because, backfire. yeah, they they're making fun at somebody's expense. And over time, that that's the worst thing you want to have happen. Well, so just we have once, you know, it's funny for two seconds and now someone's really upset and they're about to quit. And, you know, 
it's not worth it. It's not worth it. The only person you should be making fun of is yourself. And yeah. when you do that, you show that you're you're more human and draw mm -hmm. people to you. Well, let's let's go to that because I'm really interested in this. And that because fun is a topic and, and a word that like I think you guys are suggesting has a million definitions to it. And I even wonder if in today's really divisive climate, if you know what was fun three years ago is suddenly going to get somebody landed in court. So mm -hmm. tell me the premise the of the book. The answer is yes. <laughs> yes, of course, yeah. So, so I want to find out how we can do fun without getting ourselves in trouble. But the book, so if I, I mean, I look at the cover and it looks like a fun book. It's got the big star. It's got every, it looks almost like a cartoon. So I'm ready to be entertained. <laughs> is that really the premise of the book? Let's just have a fun old time. Or uh, for the business person, is there a business case for this? Oh, there is a business case and, and we're, you know, we, it's not random. It's not frivolous. You know, I mean, Inc. Magazine on the, on the cover, they said fun is frivolous. We know unless you want to attract and keep good people, you know, that it's not frivolous anymore. It's something you got to take seriously. So it, it's kind of a, a catch 22, if you will. And, and we, we anchor the book in, in some research that, that the uh, Fortune Magazine each year, they, they present the 100 best places to work for a survey that's, that's put together by the great great places to work institute out of san francisco and each year the the top 100 companies on the list the uh the employees that work for those companies 82 percent say this is a fun place to work and for the the companies that apply and don't make the list it's it's only 62 percent so that's the that this one variable on fun is the largest uh differential between being on the list and not so if you want to be a great place to work and have people be excited to get the work done and be to, be a magnet for talent and hold on to people longer this is a ticket yeah so the high performing employees are having the most fun and those people who are having the most fun uh are contributing to a company that's uh, one of the best companies to work for. So it's two sides to the same coin. Now, when we talk about a company that's fun, does it matter the industry? Because I mean, I suspect, you know, hospitality is not fun, which is why nobody wants to go back and work those jobs anymore. So does it really matter what you're doing? Or does the company just decide it's going to be fun? And if you happen to be there, you're lucky. No, it's, well, we're it's, trying to take the randomness out of this and, and, and show people it could be something intentional and it can be led by HR, can be, uh, you know, so if, you're, if your CEO is not on board, you can still get a lot of progress done and, and make the case to him or her. Uh, it, it, is, it is something that, that is, we feel needs to be integrated in, into work. So, um, and when you, when you said hospitality, I, I immediately thought that that would especially be fun. So I don't know. So it's, I, I don't know, maybe I, I well, I'm I guess what I'm thinking hospitality, I'm thinking, you know, working fast food restaurants. I mean, those are the industries now, uh, you know, as of today, we're September of 2021, mm -hmm. they're really struggling. And, you yeah. know, case in point, we went to this a few weeks ago, we took my father-in-law out for his birthday and he wanted to go to Cracker Barrel, mm -hmm. which I think when you're over 70, that's the only place that people think they can go eat anymore. But it was hell. We sat there for over an hour before we got our food. And man, it looked yeah. like just would be the worst place to work. No one wanted to go there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a Cracker Barrel uh, looks like a fun place. But in fact, they're struggling to get people, at least this one in, uh, you know, down in uh, 
Mississippi that we went to. They're all they're all struggling to get people right now because we're we're for different reasons. Uh, it's an essential job, so there's a lot of exposure to the, the public, which is unevenly vaccinated. Uh, it it is um, if you don't have the spirit of mind, then it, it is a job you tend to hate because customers could be jerks, and they're especially jerks during the pandemic, you know. And so they're, they, they're the front line taking all the hits. But that's why you need to even do more to to balance that out. So if you make it a, a place where people are really appreciated, for example, like I remember last time I was at Cracker Barrel, the person serving me, like they had a bunch of flair on and I said, hey, what, what's, now I always ask questions about flair. What, what's that for? Well, this is this is my 30 day pin. I've been here for 30 days. Oh, okay. And and I'm, I'm hoping to get my 90 day pin. It's like, okay, well, great. You know, but mm -hmm. so they, what, what does that mean? I mean, just on that level, there a lot of companies don't recognize someone until they've been there five years, you know? So <laughs> someone's being recognized at 30 days and maybe there's a ceremony, maybe people applauded, you know, and then, you know, if it's a frontline job, then, then it's, uh, you know, treating as such. This is a tough job that we really value for, for being here with us, that, that you're part of the team and we're going to take care of each other. And, and you got to do more of that. It, the, the worse the job is. <laughs> yeah, well, especially, I guess, when turnover is really high, if you make it 30 days. I, I worked with a car dealership years ago and God, if you made it past two weeks, in their, they had their own credit thing. It was one of those buy here, pay here dealers. If you made it two weeks, you were suddenly one of the senior people. <laughs> so, and, and they would, but, but in their defense, I mean, it was a tough business, but they would do things in their place. Like they'd have these, it was car dealers, so they had these little matchbox or hot wheel cars and whoever was taking the most calls, they would have like a little race. Like, you know, you could see the cars going up the thing. But even that, you know, it's still, uh, it was just brutal. And I think that was sort of a feeble attempt at fun. And I guess that's my next question, you know, for us to be able to change our environments and maybe work on this culture to make it like that, you know, what, how do we, because you had mentioned, you know, fun has many different definitions. How do we agree upon what would be fun that would motivate everybody and not annoy a few people that saw that as just pandering? Well, uh, first of all, you got to think it through and, and know your people, which uh, is an important start. And and you don't have to have the perfect thing to do or the thing that everyone agrees on. If if enough if no one finds it offensive and enough people are interested, then yeah, let's try it. And we don't have to, everything we do doesn't have to include everybody. So if, if a lot of people rally around it and, and that was kind of, then maybe we'll do it again. And then, and then think about the people that weren't involved and what, what might they like uh, that would be helpful to them. So it's, it's a journey. It's a, it's an experiment, learn from it and, and uh, try it again. And, and, one and of the, it doesn't have to be one person. It, it could be, you know, here's, Here's my idea, Mario. What do you, what do you want to try? You know, so this 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 uh, rotate responsibility. Mario and I were we were worked in the department together um, for a number of years, and we would always vary the meetings. And and we we for example, for a while we did uh, okay. We're gonna start each meeting with a joke, and we're gonna we're gonna alternate who tells the joke. So, you know, uh, Gary, you want to do next week? You know, and and um, some people were not good at jokes, but they had a whole week to prepare. And then even if they didn't do that well, we'd, we'd all still laugh. It was fun. And so do things to rope people in and, and uh, to make it more, more fun along the way. Now, one of the things you could do is, and a lot of companies do this, is they have fun committees. 
So they take a cross section of people in the organization and they say, you're representing this group here and you're representing this group here. Find out what your folks would really want to do. And then they would come together, they'd try something and they'd learn from it. And one of the things that we tell people in here in our do's and don'ts, we have five do's, five don'ts is, you know, try something, learn from it and then do, do it again, do it differently and, and vary who's involved. In fact, the book that we have, you know, our book, we encourage people to take the book and pass it around the, the, the team, the department and say, what would you find in here that you would like to do? And, and this is just a start. You know, you're, you're as good as you're creative. So whatever you want to come up with and try, let's go for it. So you can have people initial ideas they like in the margin of the book. And then it's, it's become a, a customized handbook for fun in your own group. You know, so then when you want to do something fun or morale's down or we just finished a project and you could flip through and see what uh, what people responded to. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, and you guys have probably seen it, too. I have several clients that are in industries that are not specifically, you know, really fun friendly. The yeah. mission is very serious, mm -hmm. um, and I hate to single out, you know, groups of people, but largely, you know, worked by engineers that, you know, fun for them is probably something that would not be fun for folks like us, you know, solving a, an equation or something. Mac, engineers have the most fun of anybody in my book. So well, that's, I'm just, I'm curious how we would entice them to that. And I guess like what you're saying, once you do it, it's like, this is great, but you know, how would I, how would I really, you know, entice somebody who exactly. at first glance wouldn't appear to be someone that would love fun to start playing? It's, it's the part you don't see that. So don't just take them at that, that face level that they are, they are kids at heart and they love doing, you know, uh, Microsoft. I, I remember they used to, as a way to honor someone, they used to sod their office. <laughs> And, and and literally, it was, you know, as as an honor, really, that uh, they take a lot of time and they they saw someone's office while they're out at lunch or something, and and it, it was, and similar type stuff. It, it was so 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 much fun that they people were doing it so often. The groundskeepers had to say, if you want to sod someone's office, just tell us, we'll do it. You're you're, you're tearing up the grounds, you know. So, often. <laughs> Often they have that uh, sophomoric uh, silly, silliness, and so it's it's easy to to turn turn them on. I find that they they, they like they like it, and uh, so just get started. I'd say, and, and you'll you'll see a response from that. There's quite a few companies, engineering firms, that will have breakout Nerf gun battles, and they'll have it below the desks, on top of desks, in cubicles, down hallways, and and they'll come up with any excuse. To go do that. In fact, one company, when they're onboarding their new people, they give them the welcome package, and included in there is the Nerf gun. And they said, "Oh, you're brand new here? Yeah. Well, you're going to need this." <laughs> yeah, that's that's a Google thing. They do for other companies as well. And yeah. so it's really it's all over the map. And and uh, I I know a company that that at 2 p.m. every day they they put on dance music and let people do a, a loop around the, the office and skipping or dancing, whatever they want. And it's a, a great, it's a breakup. It's a, you know, re-energize them at a low time of the day. <laughs> office Olympics in their chairs where they're moving their chairs down the hallways again, one against the other and somebody's pushing them. Uh, it doesn't, Creating. by the way, a lot of things that, that uh, are fun don't cost anything. In fact, we have over 400 
different ways in the book and the real company, real world ways, most of them are no cost or low cost. Baxter Healthcare in Chicago, they did they did a, a mini golf uh, course through the building and each department was in charge of one hole and, and they got very creative and, and they had such a blast at it that uh, they end up making an annual thing. So it's, yeah. it, there's so many places that you can get on board. And, the, the, and the container store has soapbox derbies where each department creates its own little soapbox and then they get together in the big warehouse and they, they have the races there. Um, it's again, it's limited by how creative somebody can be. So we're talking about maybe some bigger ones that take more planning, but a lot of them are, are very simple as well. I, I had, I remember I interviewed someone and they said, well, when I want to be inspired at work, I put on, uh, Yo-Yo Ma's, uh, did a, a three hour concert from memory box concertios and, and, uh, for 8,000 people. And she said, when I, when I listen to that, and it's it's on the internet. You could listen for free. Did in 2015. I, it feels like you can you could feel God moving through him, you know. And and when I put that on when I'm working, I feel the same way. And mm. I've got more purpose, and and it's so again. Is that fun? I, yeah, I think it is. Is, is. is it doing it for that person? It certainly is. So I I, I tried it. I go, God, she's mm. right. This is, I, I feel more meaningful with what I'm doing. So again, a lot of it could be. Uh, little things uh just to, we, we know my and i know someone that they they just relabel their to-do list as their fun list and that's you know that's nothing but it, it changes their, their frame of mind i i get to do this today i don't have to i get to and i, I can't believe they're paying me to do it so uh again uh or or, or if somebody's doing something very mundane and tedious they make up little games while they're doing it. Oh, I'm going to see how fast I can do this with my right hand. I'm going to see, I'm going to try this with my left hand today and see, and see, see how it goes. And it's, it's the people play games minutes. with, yeah, play games with their own mind. But and if I get it done by, you know, in an hour, I'm going to, I'm going to take a break and, and have a walk or, or call a friend or, or whatever, whatever, decide what the reward is if I achieve that, that simple goal. Yeah. So it starts at any, it can start at any level in your own work. And if you're part of a team and uh, then of course the organizational level as well. For individuals, it starts with a decision. I'm going to allow myself to have fun for the organization. It starts with not that we're going to allow you to have fun. Everybody that works here, we're going to encourage you to have fun. So it's a big philosophical difference here. Well, you know, I'm thinking years ago, I worked in an HR department at a big hospital and there was a staff of about 14. It was pretty big. And, and it was a very, very tough culture there. And it was just not a fun place to be. And particularly our VP of HR. Well, one day we get an email and she says, everybody needs to be in the conference room at four o'clock for something very important. So immediately all of us flash to, oh my God, what is going to happen? And we're mortified and all Lay of off. us like, what's going, yeah. what's going on, what's going on. And, and it was right before Mardi Gras. So we went in there and she has this, I don't I'm not from New Orleans, so I don't even know how this works, but there's this cake with a little plastic baby buried in there someplace. And I guess yeah. whoever eats the thing is lucky or whatever that is. But we all looked at that and thought, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. You had us so stressed all day. And honestly, guys, it wasn't fun. 
And, oh. and it further drove nails into the coffin of the culture of that HR department, which I quit not very long after wow. that. So my fear is for the person that reads this and gets excited, how do we switch from someone who may be seen as a taskmaster? Our nickname for this person was Cruella. You know, <laughs> and, and Cruella did not know how to sell this at all. And it had an opposite effect. And that's my biggest concern is how do we avoid not having the effect that I experienced on what was supposed to be a fun event? Yes, well, that's a, a great story, and, and I feel bad that you had that experience. I, I think it, it really un, it really shows that she wasn't connected to the group, that when she decided to do fun, then everyone else had to follow, and they weren't in the mood because of past actions, so it was bound to miss. Now, if she had, if she had instead been more transparent and say, hey, you know, I've, I know I've been a real hard ass, but uh, I'd like to do something to celebrate the, the great month we had, who has some ideas? Now already, you know, you're changing the dynamics. You're, mm -hmm. you're not forcing something else down people's throat. You're, you're, you're being open and you're, you're, you know, now if, she, if that's the only time she's ever done that, that, that may flop too, because she's lost credibility with her, her team. But yeah. well, what but, little credibility she had was completely <laughs> gone. And that's my concern. You guys know the audience of this podcast as, as well as I do. And, you know, it's a battle. It's a, it's a tough job as an HR professional. And my, my other concern is that, you know, an HR person who reads this book and goes to their, you know, executive team and says, hey, I read this awesome book and there's some fun things we can do. You know, what's going to happen when the eye rolls? Like, uh, here we go. I figured it would come out of HR. They always want to do fun stuff. So you, you guys have made a business case for this. And I guess, is that what an HR professional needs to lead with? Or how would you suggest? Well, I, I would, you know, when you're, you're, you're selling something, especially to the executives, you got to talk their language. And, and you, you may be worrying about the people, but they're worried about the profitability and, and the, the future of the, of the hospital in, in that case. And so you got to make the case that this is, this is has a real impact on retention has a real impact on our ability to attract people which is so hard right now so you, you gotta and and you could even say you know I, I worked with the hospital in hartford connecticut and they and they uh you know it's hard right we're, we're short a million nurses in america right now so it's hard to attract people hard to hold on to them they did uh using using uh, one of my books very simple program to help retain first-year nurses and the whole i'll tell you the whole thing just you know and it's it's not you know they gave people a welcome letter at 30 days you might say well i didn't do that first day but they hadn't been doing it now they're, they're doing it at least so 30 days at, at 60 days they gave people if they're still with them uh, a survey monkey how how is how is your your interest to the hospital feeling? Is there anything we could have done better? They, they just give them the survey. That's all they do. And at ninety days, they if people are still there, they get them together with the head of nursing, and they go over the the survey from from sixty days. And they have a few muffins and a couple balloons. They they did just those three things and those three things only. And they were able to improve their retention of first-year nurses by 20%, which is a million and a half dollars savings the first year. 
And then if they found that they actually did some of those, the suggestions that people had for how things could be better, then it even got better than that. So they were able to show in spades that we, we took a little effort and very little funds, and we got a big return. If we do more of this, we'll get even a better return. And we won't have to be constantly scrambling for, to get new people in here because we'll change the dynamics of what it means to work here. You think of, of hospitals, again, with uh, during COVID. I, I loved when I heard hospitals that... Uh, if someone was leaving, uh, they'd all line up in the hallway and, and be applauding that, you know, you, you made it and, and mm -hmm. pe people are crying and, and stuff. So that's very, very um, momentous for, for the patient, but also for the, the people that gave them the care. So that, that, that's a bonding element. It's a celebration. And, uh, or, or in, in uh, New York, New Jersey, they would come out at five every night with the pots and pans to bang to thank healthcare workers. So it's it's all those things make a difference. That's great. Well, on that, on that note with COVID, when you guys were writing the book, had COVID started to take over where people began to go virtual? Oh, yes. <laughs> all right. So, so my question is now, I mean, I hear, you know, all the different things we can do in a physical environment. How does that then translate for a virtual workforce? Well, we have a, in fact, we devote an entire chapter in our book to virtual. And uh, one thing that we say is whatever you normally would do face to face in the traditional office setting, you got to do the same thing virtually, but you got to do it on steroids. So, for example, some people, instead of uh, when they're going to have a meal together, but people aren't physically together, they'll send the food items. They'll send the, the drinks or the ice cream or the pancakes. They'll send it out, virt uh, not virtually, they'll send it out physically to the folks out, out uh, that are working remotely. And then they get on a Zoom call and they enjoy the meal together. So there's, there's all kinds of little things that people can do. There's a very popular one, obviously, is the Zoom happy hours. Mm -hmm. um, when you include your, your dog, uh, which is becoming more popular now, dogs at work, dogs at Introduce home. Introduce your pets, yes. That, that you have yappy hours. Uh, and they, <laughs> so people change their, their picture on their Zoom and they put their dog's picture instead. Guess whose owner this is, you know, mm. and that kind of thing. Again, I, little I things. <laughs> Go ahead, Bob. I, I like the uh, simple activity that you can do on Zoom. Uh, and that's uh, called a praise barrage where you yeah. can say, hey, before we get going in our meeting today, I like to just take a couple minutes and go around the group. And as I call someone's name, I like everyone else to call out what they most value about working with that person. 100% positive. Let's start with Gary. Okay, Mary. And and in five, 10 minutes, you get around the group and everyone has heard praise from those people that they work with. And that that's very meaningful. And whatever you, you called out about them, they're gonna do more of that because what gets recognized gets repeated. It's the most proven principle of management. Yeah. Well, guys, you make an awesome case for a fun environment. And so as we wind down our time together today, how can my audience reach out to you? How can they get a copy of this book? Because it seems to me this is the right time for something like this to be done. Well, the book's available wherever books are sold. So Barnes & Noble or Amazon. Uh, we also have it on, on uh, our, our website or my website, uh, www.drbobnelson.com and there's uh, a healthy discount when you go through bob's on, website online bookstore we we sell uh my books cheaper than the amazon you know so um and then we we uh 
do webinars on this. We, we speak on this topic. Uh, we, we'd be glad to uh, help anyone's listening on, on what they could do. I, I spend uh, a lot of, I've, I've spoken for 300 uh, SHRM chapters and at the national, state, and local levels. So they're, they're our peeps. And so we would, we would welcome helping them on this uh, very important journey. Excellent. Well, if you're listening to this today, folks, Dr. Bob and Mario, please reach out to them, get a copy of the book. This is the perfect time, I think, to start working on creating a better and more fun culture. Guys, thank you so much for taking time this morning to, uh, to chat with me. Thank you, thank Matt. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.